Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Hassan Talks Podcast. Before getting into this episode, I just want to say Eid Mubarak to everyone who is listening to us. I hope this day is full of happiness, full of joy, full of celebration. Uh, if you really don't know what's, uh, what's Eid, Eid is the first day that comes after Ramadan, where us Muslims celebrate uh, completing Ramadan successfully by going uh, to pray in the very early morning and then joining our families for a very big breakfast and then also visit our friends. Of course, these are not really possible these days, but the celebration can still go on, the joy and the happiness can always continue. And with that being said, uh, the last Eid, Eid was not really a happy day. It was not a day full of happiness at all. It was actually a day of sadness, grief and absolute shock in Sudan. Why I'm saying this? Because in, uh, in that day, the uh, rapid support forces decided to kill more than 120 people. They injured way more than 650 people and the numbers are not really confirmed till today. We really don't know how big this was. And at least 70 women were raped and men as well. And dead bodies were thrown into the river. They've done that to clear out the area of, of the settings where people were protesting peacefully. And it's well, it was done in the most violent way just one day before before Eid. So this was a huge, a huge shock and a very, very sad day that will go down in the history of Sudan. And after that, they decided to block the internet so people outside the country will never know about the crimes they've committed. So with that being said, uh, today I, I decided to make this episode to try to, to go a little back uh, into those stories that have not been told. And so I'm, I'm trying my best here to cover that side. And there's no better way to cover it than talking with somebody who was there in Khartoum, in Sudan, during the protest. Somebody who was not just uh, a protester and a part of the youth who were trying to remove the, the previous government, but also a content creator who was trying to put the best image of what's happening inside Sudan to the outside world. So let me just introduce him. His name is Muad Osman. He's one of the biggest Sudanese YouTubers, uh, the YouTube creator for Change Ambassador. He's also a content creator, of, as, as I mentioned. So with him today, I will try to let's go back in the memory of 2019 to 29th of Ramadan and what exactly happened there. So hello, Muad. Hello, Hassan. Thank you very much for having me over. Um, I've really enjoyed these conversations that you started, Quiz, and the spontaneous convos that you're having over on your podcast. So kudos for that. And thank you for having me over. Uh, let's just get, in, get started into this. So uh, as you were in Sudan during the, the protest mm -hmm. that started actually in the end of 2018 until the mid of 2019. So can you uh, make a quick recap about how the Sudanese revolution was going? Okay. Um, so, so Sudan has been revolting since, I don't know, before, before I was born. You know, a lot of military um, governments have been taken over. Uh, people have always revolted over that. Since 2017, they've, they've started like really serious movements because um, the economy was going to crap. Uh, people were really suffering. Poverty rates have been going up. Um, a lot of people have been moving out of the country. I mean, like you, uh, we've met in Saudi Arabia, actually, uh, Hassan, right? We met, we met 2015, was it? Or 2016? 16, I think. Okay, yeah, 2016. I was living in Saudi Arabia after five years of working there. 
one of the reasons that drove me out of the country because the economy in Sudan was bad to be to, to just put it simply to cover my necessities to cover like rent food and normal jobs wouldn't have covered that so you either go out of the country or you go and join the corrupt government that's actually corrupt in the country and these days were kind of rough you know as you know i i talk a lot on youtube we discuss a lot of things over i don't i don't want to call it politics but it's just the way that people are living we, we cover the economic situation we cover the the, the 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 bad times that they were happening during the revolution and and you know the government took notice obviously uh, a lot of people got arrested um fortunately i didn't get arrested a lot i got arrested once uh equipment were confiscated well we we we, we tried for a couple of days and we got them back alhamdulillah but again yeah that that was the risk that you were taking if you're speaking your voice you will get arrested if you go to the streets you will get arrested if you call someone over the phone and they have your phone tapped they can arrest you the next day so it was it was the whole the whole thing was just the big fuss late 2018 this when things like really took took notice the economy was bad people were really fed up with everything police weren't able to shut as much protest as possible like before that protests were few and it happened in a souq al-arabi or souq bahri hat al-wusta like really small areas but in 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 late 2018 uh tajmu al-mihaniyin was taking over uh facebook was taking over twitter to actually just gather people over one movement so it's the sudanese professionals association they started posting uh dates for protests and specific times for the protests so for example we will go to bahrain mahatta wusta like it's it's known like thursday we're going to al mahatta wusta the protest is going to start uh at 12 o'clock that was the they called it uh saat al thawra it was the revolution hour at 12 sharp as a ruta will start you can translate that <laughs> real quick Zaruta is some sort of uh, sound or noise that actually women make in in some arabic countries and sudan as well and it's a way of celebration so it's a sound i cannot really imitate <laughs> but yeah i mean shakira did it so yeah shakira did it. yeah she did yes, it badly very, to be very <laughs> yeah anyway so, so you were mentioning like the gathering of the people mm-hmm. it starts very small it gets huge and also you like as much as you're excited about to go out in the street and protest because of the situation you're also a little bit scared and terrified because there are some people like spies more or less or inside of the of the of the of the gatherings of protests who might actually stab you or like hit you from the back or report against you like this guy exactly. went out and stuff the Sudanese professional association there were unknown people we didn't know these people we didn't know who were running the actual accounts on Facebook or Twitter but we trusted them because they've led a couple of protests like they've said in um 12 o'clock it's going to happen in Mahatta Wusta it's going to happen in Khartoum it's going to happen in multiple cities around Sudan so 12 o'clock we're going to go go out and protest and exactly 12 o'clock as Zaghruta starts everything everyone starts shout, shouting and everyone start chanting and even with multiple police cars there and multiple military forces being there uh you know at, at that time it was just riot police they were trying to take control over it 
they wouldn't control people because like I told you, we go in groups like two, four, five, and suddenly you find yourself among hundreds of people up in, in one place. So that was the beauty of it. After that, it, it, it actually, because, you know, again, Alamnajia were around. Uh, there were, there were, sometimes they would guide people to police. So we will go into chanting and we will go into protesting police will throw like tear gas over one place and one person in civilian clothes will be like hey we can hide over there and we will go there and it will be an ambush and we will all get just ambushed and multiple people will get arrested at one time okay so uh, now i think you've covered well how the protests started and how it started very small then got big <laughs> and it got well organized and this led to uh, a sit-in or a camping inside mm -hmm. the center of Khartoum, actually in front of the military mm -hmm. headquarters, that actually at the end led to removal yes. of Amr al-Bashir. So can you explain to us the atmosphere of the, the peaceful settings? The 6th of April, the Jama'a al-Bahaniyin announced that this is going to be uh, the hugest march ever in Sudan, and we're going to take it to the military headquarters. Uh, this was the thing. We never really marched towards uh, places that uh, actual military is going to be there, we never marched into police headquarters. It was it was only in neighborhoods, uh, main streets, uh, markets, and so on. So that was the big day. That was the the, the awaited day that everyone in Khartoum is going to Al Qiyad Al Amma. Uh, so around twelve o'clock again, uh, I I wasn't across in Al Qiyad Al Amma in Al Khartoum. Uh, Bahri is separated from Al Khartoum with three bridges. Yeah, okay, so uh, let, let me guys explain how, how Khartoum is formed. Khartoum is actually <laughs> formed of three big parts, which is like Khartoum itself, Omdurman, and Bahri. And as you know, the Nile River like cuts Khartoum in the middle. And uh, like, so the, the river like is separating those three parts from each other. And then the only way you can cross from one part to another, of course, is by a bridge. <laughs> so, but now what matters is like after all this hustle and struggle and and and, and just trying so hard to get into the mm -hmm. the place of the citizens. Yeah. So you actually reach there, and you are able to 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 make the mm -hmm. revolution start again and bring it back to life. So what I what I really want to know is like how was the vibe, you know, like inside these places? Although it's as you said, like it, it's <laughs> in Sudan, it's very hot and it's during like you are away from from your place where you where you're actually living you can't really go go back very easily but then through the videos and the pictures you've been sharing and other people as well we felt like people are actually happy people have the energy to remove the bashir and they did on the 11th of, of april so how that week from 6th of april to 11th of april how how the, the atmosphere okay. i cannot describe the feeling it's really amazing because i knew no one because my friends i couldn't contact them um, you know, phones were, phone lines were being shut down. So just finding thousands of people, just marching there, people chanting like uh, revolutionary songs and just you feeling like you belong to something that's bigger than you. That was the most amazing feelings that I've ever had. Because at that moment that we felt the revolution has already started because we were afraid before that. We were just running from... Uh, gunshots, we were running from getting arrested, we were running from tear gas, and right now we are at the general military headquarters. The feeling was yeah. really amazing. Again, thousands of people suddenly decided this is going to be a sit-down. 
we're not going to move from the military setting until al-Bashir resigns and until the government gives up. So people quickly just just gathered around. Uh, some people just started giving water for free. A lot of cars actually came with families. They gave food for free out of the happiness that was happening out there. Yeah, yeah that that was yeah. that was the start of the sitting. Yeah. So uh, I remember I remember in those days I was still I was working. So in the office I was every single day completely not focusing with, with work. I'm just like trying to uh, you know open Twitter as Twitter was the, the main channel <laughs> for for the trusted news that's coming out of Sudan because you know the public media was not covering anything of course and I was always every single morning trying to just to know what exactly is happening how people are you know protesting the, the beautiful pictures the beautiful images of simple people everybody as you said like holding hands and being like human shields and we when we saw that like I felt like I wished so bad that I was actually among like I, I wanted to experience the difficulties and the struggle and then enjoy the the, the beauty of when they actually announced uh, that Bashir uh, is not the president of Sudan after 30 years of dictatorship, after 30 years of corruption. I remember I was opening the, uh, I, I was listening to to the radio, the pop, the, the radio from Sudan. They were they're gonna say like soon we're gonna announce something. And I was like at the office just like putting my my headphones on, literally not able to send one email, just waiting for that news to be announced. And I swear to you, like the second they said Bashir is out. Even though like I didn't live in Sudan for so long, but I'm I'm affected by this. I'm outside of Sudan, as you said, because of how the government was. So I I went outside the office. I was so emotional, so happy. Yet there's nobody around me who feels you know how it happens inside me, and uh, and yeah. So that that day was magical. But what 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 was really important that the people of Sudan and I, I want you to talk about this a little bit. They know yeah. that the revolution is not over just because the Bashir was removed. You know, outside the, the general military sitting, uh, before the revolution, people were actually very, very depressed. People were not actually just... Because, again, they, the older generation, they had revolutions. They've tried to take over governments before. It didn't work. So the feeling was, you're not going to achieve anything. You're not going to reach your goals. Al-Bashir is never going to give up the ruling of Sudan. And the, the military, obviously, is not going to help you at any time. So when the sitting happened, and when Al-Bashir was resigned and taken over to prison, that just felt like, uh-huh, now you now you see what we could do. So the thing is, what was beautiful about the youth and what's beautiful about social media, it's opened a lot of talks and a lot of discussions among, among our generation. So people understood in Al-Bashir is not just the leader of Sudan. Al-Bashir is part of the corrupt government. So people were not happy when they just announced in Al-Bashir were taken down. I mean, we were happy about that, but we were not going to leave the sitting without everyone else in the corrupt government taken down as well. So that was the plan. We were going to continue sitting down until the government is handed over to a fully uh, civilian uh, ruling. And that was that was the plan from, from there. And, yeah. So yeah, pe people, as you said, like uh, they, they decided to continue and they said like the revolution is not just about uh, this one person who is leading the government. It's all about the system, about the corruption. It was also a revolution of, of intellectual uh, level that's very high that people are trying to to be as peaceful as possible as nice as possible and uh, I heard so many stories that people were were like they made an, a different atmosphere inside the the, the sit-ins that it's like it felt like a different country it felt like a better Sudan a small version of Sudan that 
like a dreamy one, you know, everybody is like hoping that the small version of, of protesters will become the real Sudan in the future. And this was so, it was so, so interesting to see from the outside, you know, for me as somebody who's, uh, who's not in the country. So I, what I want to know is like your view as a, as a, as a media creator or video, uh, like a YouTube maker and how you try to, to, to translate these messages to people okay. outside. So before the sitting, happening. before the revolution was actually happening, we would rely on mobile footage. Like when I left the house, I couldn't even take a smartphone. That how like big the situation was. I took a dummy phone that will only be turned off and turned on when I need it to call someone or when I get like hopefully not arrested. But like when you're in a sticky situation, you need to call someone, you will turn it on. Because again, we knew that phones were tracked. We knew that every video that gets shot with your phone can be evidenced against you for them to detain you even more. So before that, we could not even take cameras. Like I told you before, they took our cameras before, they took all our film gear. We weren't even covering marshes or covering the, the revolution that was happening at the time. So that was a struggle for us to just get accurate footage, to just get something that's reliable from photos and videos of the whole revolution that was happening. After the sitting, during the sitting, what happened in the general um, sitting area became just like a free law zone. They they called it like this is this is what's written on the signs. Like when you first walk in into the sitting, it says that this is where freedom starts. So people were chanting 24-7, people were filming 24-7. We could take cameras in. Uh, you saw a lot of drone footage. This wasn't available before that. So this actually helped, you know, give you people outside Sudan a view of what's happening in Sudan and that the revolution is actually going into the right track. And it gave people in multiple cities, you know, the, the, the enough, you know, faith in the revolution because the revolution didn't just happen in Khartoum. We're talking about the city in Khartoum, but it happened in multiple cities. A lot of people got killed and unfortunately, a lot of people got arrested uh, as well. So the feeling from when the city started, we've actually started gaining our rights. Like we started covering more. Uh, we started helping a lot of newscasts, like international newscasts, cover a revolution in Khartoum, giving them footage. Uh, conducting interviews so that, that was just the first time that we could do that again people were gathering together people were starting conversations about what's next so that was beautiful for us to document because we would walk around in the sitting and you would meet a lot of people and have discussions with them and that was really beautiful for us to have the freedom to talk about what's happening in the country what's going to happen who do we want to rule us going forward before that those were all taboos yeah. those were all topics that we cannot talk about in public well, well that's uh yeah that's that was like a turning point for the sudanese revolution and uh, politically so after uh, a little recap for those who are not really familiar with the situation uh, bashir was removed and then somebody else from the military was assigned uh, to be to be his successor people still uh, chanted against him and he was removed actually 24 hours later less than 24 hours to be honest and then they assigned uh, abdul fatah burhan who's the head of the uh, transitional military 
Council. So the Transition Military Council, suppose they, they promise that they're going to hand, hand over the, the, the ruling of Sudan or the government to a civilian government. And that actually was the, the chanting. It was about that. They wanted a civilian government. So as you said, like, yeah, the citizens were super peaceful. They were, people were, were really happy. People were actually feeling the freedom all over again and they're getting excited. But <laughs> sadly, this did not continue. Uh, 29th of Ramadan, the uh, some forces that's called the rapid support forces that are actually part of the the, the military they cleared out the, the peaceful citizens in, in Khartoum in very violent way and it happened in the very early morning according to the reports and that was super shocking so uh, how, how did you receive the news of, of, of that massacre um, that like I told you Hassan um, the military wasn't um, aware of the huge number that's gonna reach the military sitting so when the sitting happened, this became the obstacle for the the government to 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 just get rid of the sitting. Uh, during Ramadan, unfortunately, they they the rabbit forces, they uh, it happened three or four attacks during Ramadan. Uh, they've killed uh, multiple people, but again, people weren't willing to hand over the sitting. People weren't willing to leave the sitting without having uh, the military government. So what happened uh, at the night of uh, the 29th of Ramadan? Yeah, before even the, um, like after Fajr prayer, people were attacked by thousands of military forces. Uh, some of them were wearing um, uh, the rabbit forces um, uniform. Some of them were wearing uh, police uniform. Some of them were wearing military uniform. So you didn't you couldn't tell whom from whom. That was the problem. A lot of cars were brought over. A lot of ammunition was brought brought over. Again, people didn't understand what was going on because it's unimaginable for people that you would take force to drive your own uh, civilians out of your military headquarters. Like people couldn't imagine that. Like this is the military. They're supposed yeah. to be protecting us. Yeah, they promised yeah, that. yeah that, that they was the promise. So, they promised they knew they were protecting people. They were protecting civilians. They were for the revolution. They were protecting the revolution. That was the promise. But again, they stabbed people in the back, basically. Like you said, a, a lot of people died that day. A lot of people got arrested. Uh, people were thrown in the river. A lot of people are actually lost. Like they're not nowhere to be found. They don't know if they were arrested. They don't know if they died and just went with the Nile River. And that was that was the shock for all of us because Khartoum was shut down completely. We were supposed to go at least try to help people, at least try to talk to people. But whenever someone moved from their house, people were shot, people were beaten down. A lot of people were beaten in Bahri. A lot of people were arrested in Umdurman. Um, unfortunately, people were raped in a lot of neighborhoods. That was just to break the revolution. That was just, just here. This is our force. We got the military power. We got the, the ammunition. And you were going to be shut down. That that actually continued for the um, three days of Al Eid. People were really sad about that, but the military was like, "Hey, we're ruling, and we're gonna continue rule to rule this country, and people are supposed to go back to work next week." Wow, I, I remember that day is was a, a complete shock for every Sudanese, either inside Sudan or outside. That was so huge and uh, like the trauma was so so big like to a level that I, I think until today 
we're not really like we're not really aware of how big that that situation was. I remember since you said it was the morning of Eid, so I I woke up for I woke I woke up very early in the morning to also to prepare myself to go to pray Eid, you know. And then I just opened Twitter to see what's happening in Sudan today and how's the sittings, how the pictures, the videos, and the celebrations because people were about to celebrate Eid in the sittings in the first time, and I just saw a load of. Uh, tweets uh, mostly yes. from people outside Sudan as well because the internet was shut down so people were saying, people were reporting a massacre is happening a huge crimes are happening people were killed in a very violent way very random way and i was so shocked i was so shocked i couldn't leave the bed like i was just holding my phone shaking and i couldn't like of course i couldn't pray read i couldn't talk to anybody the whole day was i'm just i'm, I'm, I'm out mm-hmm. i'm just trying to imagine You know the situation says Sudan. Eid, the day of Eid is the day for us where we, we if you away from your family, you contact them, you make sure you, if they're fine. My cousins were super active during the revolution, so I was I was like checking up on them, and I just wanted to say hi to them during Eid and say Eid Mubarak. It was completely opposite. I was trying to reach out to them to see if they're alive or they're dead. Of course, like they're very young, and at the end we were able to reach out to their families. They said they haven't returned home like for long hours. Some of them they returned out. Uh, returned home as you said beaten and uh, their clothes were cut some of them had to run and hide somewhere far with no shoes it was it was so big and uh, the, the good thing that like the crazy good thing is like the revolution did not die after that even though the military as you said they tried to 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 kill it literally kill it and just spread blood all over the country it did not die people yeah continued again so how how did people rise again So through June, people were supposed to go back to work. Nobody went back to work. So that was uh, people actually showing solidarity because all Sudan agreed that they're not going back to work. The military could not force people to go back to work. And the, the, the saying was, even if you're not with the revolution, even if you're not with what's all happened, even if you didn't lose someone to this, you're protecting yourself. You're sitting home just to protect yourself. So that was... the general saying to all the people. So after that, they were supposed to go the 30, 30th of June, they were supposed to be a march. Again, the Jammu al-Mihaniyin called out on Twitter, called out on Facebook. The military was counting on people being afraid, on people having that shock of the military sitting, just being dismembered and a lot of people just dying. That's going to happen again. So they were counting on people not to go back uh, into the streets. But what happened, actually, again, we were shocked because that day we went to Al Muassasa in Bahri. Uh, it's a huge junction. It's a huge crossroad. Um, we were going there around 11.05. I think we were meeting friends there. Uh, we were going to someone's uh, house to just... hide until 12 o'clock so we can go out and protest with people the moment that we reached the house of our friends uh like 12 cars 12 military cars came into the street uh they started asking like um grocery stores to close they started telling people who are waiting for transportations to just move because they wanted to completely shut down people and make them stay at home. Again, we stayed at our friend's house and the calling that we were used to, Zagruta, actually started from within side the neighborhood. So that was the beautiful thing. It started within the neighborhood, like kids from six years old to people who are 70 years old actually took to the street. And it was a huge march. 
in Bahri, in Al Khartoum, in Omdurman. It was an even bigger march that that happened in early April. So that was the actual continuation for the revolution. It showed the military that they could not take over people anymore. The will of the revolution didn't die, and it gave the power back to the Jamaat Mahniyin, the Sudanese Professionals Association, to actually start the negotiations again with the military. You know, reach an agreement to where the transitional period that we're living in right now is happening. Yeah, so um, I, I can imagine how that was difficult for people in South Sudan to communicate and make all these kind of even inside the neighborhood. Uh, kind of uh, uh, small marches, small movements to happen with no internet since the internet was cut out. So what people, what was really interesting at that point uh, is like I was contacting my, my my relatives in Sudan and I'm not able to able to reach out to them. And the people outside Sudan, they took the revolution somehow uh, on their hands and trying to to show the media outside what's exactly happening inside the country. And it felt for me like finally. Uh, We were not really happy, of course, that we have to do this job after exactly how 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 tough it was and how, after the massacre. But then it was our 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 opportunity to show the world that there is a massacre happened happened in Sudan. The the revolution was taken away, and it's our our responsibility now more than ever to to continue the the revolution, even just by media, by like you know the the campaigns that started to to people changing their profile pictures. You know, it's very it might sound very small, but it made a huge impact it reached to big influencers big celebrities which somehow at the end ended to affect big countries and other governments in the European Union who uh, started to to force the the transitional military uh, uh, government at the time to start a negotiation again and hand out hand over the the civilian government yeah so finally that happened i think at the uh, between august and september so yes i mean yeah i i, I failed to mention that Sudan was completely shut down for more than a month. We didn't have internet. We couldn't communicate through the phones because networks were down. But luckily, you know, the government runs on internet. That was luckily the banking system runs on internet. So they shut down like the regular internet that everyone uses, but they kept their back channels running. Uh, for us as content creators, we were able to show what was happening in Khartoum. Uh, to share the videos that were happening, uh, even to share just the small movements that were happening in Khartoum and over, all over Sudan. Uh, actually, with the help of people working in the communication sector, because they know how to get to through the back doors. And, you know, again, it just felt like it's out of a, like a James Bond movie. You would go into a house and shut down your phone to meet someone, to then call someone else, to go somewhere to upload a video, just to upload a simple video. Because again, if you got caught, especially um, like names, they were big in social media and people were sharing a lot of videos in social media. We were unfortunately targeted more aggressively during that period. So the whole shutdown help people outside Sudan to actually participate in, in the revolution. Like you said, for the first time, people actually felt like the revolution belongs to all Sudanese, even the ones outside Sudan. So hashtags like blue for Sudan, uh, standing with the revolution. Uh, a lot of hashtags started happening um, around the world. People tweeting photos, tweeting the videos that they get, tweeting about what's happening in Sudan. Like even us, for us to... Uh, no news about 
our friends in different parts of Al Khartoum or different parts of Sudan, people would actually call them from outside Sudan. So they will call relatives in Khartoum or somewhere else. They will get the news for us that yes, uh, Fulan al Fulani is safe. So and so is like home and safe. So you shouldn't worry about them anymore. Uh, so yeah, uh, actually, like a, a huge part of the, the revolution, the Sudanese revolution, was people outside Sudan uh, talking about it more and just encouraging us to continue with the struggle that we were having. So the last thing that I want to know from you, Moaz, is uh, a little comparison between the people of Sudan before uh, the revolution and after the revolution from your perspective as a video maker, as a YouTuber. So like I previously told you, Hassan, you know, before the revolution, people were not actually very encouraging uh, People were not encouraged to talk about what's going on in the country. People were not encouraged into protesting or even having a voice about what's happening in Khartoum or what's happening in Sudan in general. Uh, but after the revolution, you know, the past few months, people started having uh, like a voice and they started demanding change, like actual change that would happen. And that was what's beautiful about the, the revolution in general, because people before the revolution, they didn't even try to post photos on, on Facebook or try to post videos about the revolution on Facebook because they were afraid for their lives or afraid they were gonna get arrested. But now we feel the true freedom that we, we actually have sense of some sense of freedom that we want the change and we are gonna be part of that change. Young people on, in neighborhoods, because you know, during the times of Corona, for example, people are suffering. They cannot get uh, like bread, or they cannot get uh, gas for their houses, or you know, cooking gas and whatever. So, the people who actually was the people who started the revolution, they started protesting in the streets, just collaborating among themselves to make the revolution a success. Those people went into the sitting and met with more people and more people and more people. They gained more, uh, you know, just experience to how to just gather themselves, uh, how to reorder every member, how to organize and how to actually make a change happen. So now these young people are actually bringing breads into houses. They're bringing cooking gas into houses, like every group of uh, in every neighborhood. They starting to take to, to actually be a change and be part uh, be a part in, in in Sudan that would help the the, the government uh, go forward. People actually now believe in uh, a civilian government will not able to do everything. We have to correct every mistake that they make, and we have to help them reach the the freedom that we want to reach and reach the the true civilian. Uh, ruling that we want to reach. Yeah, that's actually co completely correct. Instead of just being like the older generation, where we sit down and start just complaining about situation, we take we take we take lead. We go outside the streets. We try to make change. If we can't go to the streets, we make change from our homes. You know, like we are living in in a very modern, uh, very revolutionary times. Even though in Sudan it's a little bit difficult or complicated to to be a creator, like and to be a YouTuber as you're you're doing. It's a bit difficult, but it's it's some sort of a responsibility uh, on your shoulders to to represent Sudan uh, in uh, outside and also to be 
to be a, a figure in South Sudan for the people to look at so you can actually lead the change and you can always dream for 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 the better Sudan that we always always dream for and always think about so yeah So, Muad, we have reached the end of this episode. Uh, thank you again for accepting my invitation and being part of it. Thank you, Hassan. Uh, I really appreciate you having me over and to just reconnect, you know, as friends uh, away from the podcast. But I really uh, am like really excited about the the future of this because I believe in starting small conversations about a lot of topics that the youth is actually interested in that will lead to the change that we all dream it, uh, dream about uh, to a better future. So thank you very much for having me over. Uh, and hopefully we can talk about something more cheerful next time. So that was Muad Usman from Sudan. Don't forget to check his Instagram account and also his YouTube channel. He's very active in YouTube. He's one of the biggest uh, YouTubers in Sudan. I think I've mentioned this a few times already. I will put the link of uh, his channel in the description box. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. Before ending it, I just want to say, may Allah have mercy on the souls that we've lost on the 29th of Ramadan. We will never forget how those young people sacrificed themselves for the future of the country. And also, we will never forgive uh, the rapid support forces for what they've done. Uh, the revolution continues. Uh, we will never stop until we get the country that we actually want, until we get the Sudan that we all dream of. So guys, stay strong in Sudan. Uh, we, we don't forget you. We're always with you. And uh, for those who are outside Sudan, let's keep working hard and let's always keep Sudan in our minds and hearts as, as always. And yeah, we have reached the end of this episode. Stay tuned for the coming episode next week. We'll be talking again. This is Hassan Talks Podcast. Peace out.